1: Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Christmas comes late in Gotham. Ted and Tora team up with Chance Along for the Ride. Bookworm gets ahead. Cal V. Brainy. Blue and Gold and Rip. Werewolf Senators. Black Hammer gets even weirder. And Industry News. This is How I Got My Wife to Read Comics for Sunday, January 30th, 2022. I'm Mark.
2: And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts and blogs. You could subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and maybe leave us a review somewhere.
1: You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out Instagram at SF Pod Network or call us at 614 321 9737. That's 614 321 9SFP. Batman Catwoman Special Number no. One from DC Black Label by King, Leon, Chang, Crystal, Gerards, and Stewart. Why bring out a Christmas-themed special in January? Well, it was originally scheduled for last July, before the untimely death of artist John Paul Leon from cancer. Leon got his professional start at age 16, working for TSR, the maker of Dungeons & Dragons, doing illustrations for their magazine. He then studied at the School of Visual Arts under Eisner and Simonson. By his junior year, he got a gig at D.C., as the original artist for Milestone Static. He would go on to Marvel's Earth-X and multiple DC projects. He also worked directly for WB, doing style guides for the DCEU films. Leon would later work with Kurt Busiek on Batman Creature of the Night, a miniseries that took four years to complete due to Leon's medical issues. The Batman Cabin special would be his last major work and he did not complete it before his death. So DC delayed it long enough for other artists to step in and turned the issue into a celebration of the artist.
2: The first half of the issue is the main story, which retells Selena's origin story and takes you through her life. Bernard Chang and Mitch Gerards take over the illustrations midstream, and they do a fine job of not making it jarring. Selina meets Bruce as a child in the form of a painting of the Waynes at their namesake orphanage. She's treated horribly there and runs away, becoming a homeless girl, pickpocketing to get by. Eventually, she winds up in Arkham, where she meets Joker, and we cut to her in costume hanging out with him. She meets the actual Bruce on the streets, which forms a pattern. They make out, he arrests her, she escapes, lather, rinse, repeat. From there, we cut to the beginning of a real relationship with Selina and Bruce at the manor at Christmas. Helena is born, and we see each of them separately on patrol, so their daughter can have at least one parent home on Christmas. At one point, Helena gets a sword for Christmas— Bruce, she's not even six! And by age 12, he convinces Selina to let her begin being a new robin.
1: There's a great shot of the three of them in costume, tied up and suspended over alligators. Isn't this nice? And on Christmas, everyone's in a rush. I feel like we don't get together anymore. Cat, this is hardly the time. Mother, this is the time. Selina helps out Riddler, who's now suffering from dementia. He tries to stick up a bank on Christmas Day when they're closed. Finally, we reach the point of Bruce dying of cancer, with Selina comforting him. She mourns his loss and watches while Helena, now Batwoman, takes up the mission. At the end, she gives her own name to the orphanage, insisting that all children be given a cat. She walks through an alley, maybe it's Crime Alley, is accosted with a man with a gun, and she replies, Oh, honey, you're doing it all wrong. He shoots her, and she dies there with a cat mourning her. Such a moving story.
2: The second half of the issue includes a set of page breakdowns, written tributes from Michael Davis, Static, and Busiak, and a long set of pinups. There's also two older stories from Leon, a Simonson Batman Black and White tale from Batman Gotham Nights number 6, and a Ram V. Question Story from DC's Crimes of Passion number 1. Overall, this was an incredible tribute to a talent that has gone too soon.
1: The Human Target Book 4 from DC Black Label by King and Smallwood. Tom King's exploration of the Bwahaha JLI, told through the eyes of the dying Christopher Chance, continues with Chance and Ice visiting Ted Cord, a.k.a. Blue Beetle. Chance is running out of time, so he begins with a direct question. Just want to know if you tried to kill Lex Luthor a few days back. Before Ted can answer, his secretary lets him know that the beetle is needed, and so they jump in the bug with him. During the trip, Ted states that he didn't do it, which, of course, doesn't really tell you much because any murderer would say that, despite having the ability, opportunity, and motive to do so. He even admits he would kill Lex if it was the right thing to do, but there's that annoying heroes-don't-kill rule. Chance thinks he shouldn't be here. He should be with his family, except he doesn't have any, or grab as much pleasure as he can, except that always ended up as hangovers, or go somewhere to contemplate life, Except that's really wasted time.
2: They get to a bank where there's a hostage crisis, and the two heroes quickly resolve it with a whole page of Batman style pows, biffs, and bams. When Ice notes, You couldn't help, Jan says, I'm not a superhero. Really? Then what are you? There's a whole series of crises, and they hopscotch around the West Coast with Ted talking in circles about being a superhero. They wind up at a hotel, which Ted owns, and the boys go off to drink. Ted gets plastered and says that Booster doesn't need him. He can do it on his own. So when Booster asked for money recently, Ted turned him down. And then John Jones asked for a similar amount of money to help a friend. Somehow, Booster gets his money. And then Ted passes out. Chance goes to his room to find the lock broken and Ice in a short robe instead. He realizes something that's been bugging him all day. Ice let Ted have his fun, although she could have easily handled things herself. She's a god. And despite her warnings, it's going, it'll get a little cold when I, I can't help it. Is that okay? They begin a night of ecstasy. Presumably, we'll get to see Martian Manhunter in the next issue.
1: Batman v. Bigby, a Wolf in Gotham, book five from DC Black Label by Willingham, Level, Lyston, Fowler Jr., and Loffridge. Batman has caught bookworm dead to rights, or has he? Whoa, how did you get so strong? Bookworm throws around Bruce like a ragdoll, and when Bigby steps in to take the Book of Magic away, the villain reads a spell to attack him, which also wipes out his henchmen. Batman barely survives, with the Robins giving him CPR until they can get him to the manor and Alfred. Two weeks later, Bruce, in a hospital bed, has Bigby go down into the mostly destroyed cave to retrieve some things. Of course, Bruce isn't listening to Alfred, who insists he's not ready, and he isn't. But they go out in an older Batmobile, after Bigby has to help Bruce put his boots on. Bookworm has had the book for two weeks. Why hasn't he used it yet? Because his host body isn't recovered yet. As Bruce and Bigby drive through the streets, Bruce notes that when this is over, Bigby needs to get off his world, and you can take your little spy with you. Molly Gray's aka Cinderella. Bookworm decides he can't wait any longer since Batman is homing in on him. Bookworm will surely die, but the essential me will survive, invigorated anew, and he takes off his hat to show another face on top of his head. You Bruce and Bigby arrive at the hideout, and Bruce notes that whoever he is, he's not Bookworm.
2: Superman 78, number 6 of 6, by Venditti, Torres, and Belair. In what seems like a rushed ending, Cal and Brainiac have a final battle on his ship. Cal says, you say you want to preserve other species, stop people from destroying themselves, you just want to control them, take away their chance to grow. When Brainy replies how he lost everything, Cal notes that he lost his world too, but didn't let it twist him. In the battle, Brainiac and the ship are critically injured, although he can just jump into a new robot body. Superman saves the bottled cities, including Kandor, just as the ship explodes, along with Brainiac's bodies. The ship was holding Metropolis in midair, so it's now plummeting, but Soup saves the day, returning to Lois afterwards. During all this, Lex was in a balloon in what I suspect was a dropped storyline, and he vanishes at the end. Lois and Clark get working on the story for the planet, where we see the Jingo games from Superman 3, but not before Clark has to run by his place, the fortress, to check in on the bottled cities. He promises his parents he will find a way to restore them back to size. I really hope this isn't end of the line for this concept. How about a Superman 78, Wonder Woman 77 crossover, or even include an older Batman 66? (laughs) Blue
1: and Gold, number five of eight, by Jurgens, Sook, and Buccolato. We begin with Rip Hunter hanging out at Liverpool's Cavern Club, 1962, to see the Beatles. Unfortunately, he gets an alert about his father. It was established in a Booster series a few years ago that Booster is Rip Hunter's dad. Well, Booster and Beetle are in trouble. They're fighting alien warrior Omnizon at their new storefront. Why didn't they realize that announcing publicly where they would be might bring her out? The line of people asking for help look on, mostly worried they will lose their place in line. There's also two women influencers both texting away. Flashback to that morning. They see the line of people in front of their office and Booster notes that the low, low price of free helped. He insists that the crowdsourcing model will work. We get a whole page of the folks in line. Must be returned to Dimension X as soon as possible. Require immediate assistance in locating my human inventor. Fear I am composed of unstable compounds and are about to explode. Was secretly wed to Superman 10 years ago, but he refuses to admit it. One of whom, in line, happens to be Omnizon, who decides she's going to cut the line. So we're back to the present. The two social influencers meet IRL and hit it off. Meanwhile, the battle rages on. Rip appears begging her to forget them and leave Earth. They are too important to the timeline to kill. She agrees to leave, and then takes the boys with her. They find themselves in front of Omnizon's dad, Lord Kiffin, who asks them to kneel and convince the Earth people to fall in line. Ted wants to talk about it further, but Booster calls it a hard no. In that case, I send it you both, to death by combat. Oh, Booster...
2: Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Death Number Four from Ohoy Comics by Geary, Fields, Ojeda, Castro, Ingman, and Kelly. More humorous horror from The Master. A tale of the Great Plague puts us back to the start of COVID. Two city dwellers can't take it anymore and flee to an empty family mansion. No cell phones, no laptops, no TV or any media, just books. One of them becomes paranoid seeing COVID in the air. Eventually, he sees a massive version of the COVID virus rolling towards the house. He collapses and his friend thinks it's stress. He sees it again and the friend suggests he's just seeing it on the surface of his eyeball. Could this be a new mutation? They head to a hospital just in time to miss the massive virus crush the mansion.
1: True Tales from the Life of Edgar Allan Poe is a one-pager where he runs into Robert Louis Stevenson at a tavern. They have a drink, Stevenson turns into Mr. Hyde, and Poe replies, I'll have one of those. Edgar Allan Poe's Werewolf of Washington is a fable? about Ted Cruz and his wife being werewolves. He eats a nosy reporter, then shouts down an effort to fight climate change. Simple Dems, I almost pity them. They don't understand how irrelevant the truth is these days. Unfortunately, the truth does come out. His wife decides to out herself. Unfortunately, he successfully uses it as a campaign slogan, werewolf pride. When an investigator has proof of his reporter eating activities, he just eats her too. I guess some people would rather believe a lie.
2: Black Hammer Reborn number 8 from Dark Horse by Lemire, Ward, Sheehan, and Picos. It's a Colonel Weird-centric issue, so strap in. He's in a spaceship and sees an animal version of himself in the mirror. He goes to talkie-walkie and says his headaches are getting worse. He then senses a new anomaly and realizes it's the second coming of anti-God. He is just sleeping. He pops his head out a dimensional portal and sees a massive battle. Another spasm, and we repeat the scene, this time with a black weird in the mirror. Another repeat, this time with a female weird. Finally, Weird decides to jump into the mirror and finds a ship filled with his variants. Welcome to the Parliament of Weird. They explain that the pattern he is seeing is about to be broken and that he alone must act to stop it.
1: Cut to Lucy, now a prisoner. Weird goes to her and try to explain why he killed her family. They are the sacrifices that had to be made. He warps back out, and she and Skull Digger make plans escape, break out the real Dr. Robinson, and kill Colonel Weird. We also get another part of the Inspector Insector story, which has completely lost me.
2: We do have two industry news items. DC has announced two events coming up this spring. For the 30th anniversary of the death of Superman, they're upping the ante with... the death of the Justice League. Wow, and Diana just got back from being dead. Yeah, killing superheroes doesn't have the impact it used to. Also, from the refrigerator magnet title generator, Flashpoint Beyond! Thomas Wayne finds himself back on his own Earth, but it was supposed to have been destroyed... So it's off to figure out what's going on.
1: Now, the second story requires some background to understand. In the old days, if you wanted to know how much your comics were worth, you would page through your copy of Overstreet, find your comic, and then make a judgment call on its condition. Near mint, very fine, poor, etc. There's got to be a better way. CGC, Certified Guarantee Company, will grade it for you for a price and then encase it in a hard plastic shell, which is called slabbing. It's reportedly all scientific and stuff, with a score between 0 and 10. For example, 9.8 is great. Of course, there's three problems here. You are trusting them to know more than you about grading. You are paying for that service, meaning any potential sale profits are reduced. And most important to me... You can no longer touch or read the comic without breaking the seal and invalidating the grade.
2: Got it? Well, a small publisher named Bad Idea got CGC as a publicity stunt to slab a rare variant comic they published. It's Invisible. Now, they could have just slabbed nothing, but decided to publish books made of transparent acetate sheets stapled just like a comic. As a part of the gag, CGC slabbed them with a variety of grades. That allowed Bad Idea to display them at conventions and give them away as prizes. But Bad Idea has gone further, selling them to customers based on the grade given. CGC asked them to cease and desist, as it makes their process look silly, which it is.
1: Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to
0: sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed. Other SF Podcasts and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork. Call us at 614 321 That's 614 321 sfp Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody.
2: Bye. Bye
1: Bye-bye.